This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. To me, that's the point of life. The will of God leads us to one thing. That's being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So imagine Jesus Christ is right here. This is Jesus. And every step of the way, you become a little bit more like who? Jesus. The way to heaven is a, is a, is a narrow way, right? The other way is broad. Many go that way. But the, the Bible says the way to heaven is straight and, and narrow. And this represents in the analogy today the, the will of God. Because at the end of this, you become like who? Jesus. Now, the problem is we live in a, a, a Western society, and whether it be success or accolades or security, we, we, we look for those things, but we don't realize sometimes those things take us off God's will for our life. Now, it's, it's easy to say, man, just get up on there and go. Oh, oh. I tried to make it dramatic, and I'll, and I'll do that on purpose because that makes it more, like, engaging. Like, one time we had, like, a flammable liquid, right? And Tim, 
Tim went to get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> that was so funny. So, so when, we, when we are on the path to do God's will, there's a lot of things that are happening. Now, it's seemingly easier to just do what? Get off. Because here, man, I'm, I'm struggling. My core, my core is weak, right? I have to have surgery. I got to get, get it right, right? My core is weak right now. So I'll, I'll shake a little bit. But, but this is God's plan for my life. To, to keep what? Keep moving forward. We're, and, and we're not to look back. Because if we look back, I'll fall down. I learned in football, you, you go where your head is pointed, Right? And if I turn my head and try to go that way, I'll get hit. Uh, oh, well, not a bear team player, but a, a Viking player will knock me out. <laughs> we only got a Bears fan here today. I know the Packer guys are all gone. They were great. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, we, we stay on this path. Now, the problem is we have an enemy. That's real. And the enemy puts tax on this. Do you see those tax right there? Do you see those tags? Now, whoo, whoo, okay. Now, we think there's tax there. Obviously, God doesn't want me to go over the tax because that would hurt. But he does. And we're like, that's going to oh, hurt. There's no way that's going to benefit me. No way. But we have to understand is that when we trust God through this process, that's how we're being changed. And now it's not simply the fact that we are just walking, but now we're a, a, a testimony. So we have to hear God move forward, right? And, oh, that, that hurt, but we're... And I'm serious, y'all. I'm not, like, joking. <laughs> and, and it hurts, right? But, but all the while, I'm getting what? Closer to being like Jesus. But, man, I see that over there, that opportunity. I see an option. And we have an enemy who not only lays tax, but he tries to convince you that God couldn't possibly want you to step on tax. Like, he's a good God. He would never let anything bad happen to you. That could that that it couldn't be God. The Bible talks about the person who's a Christian's life. They'll have what tribulation in this life because we're at war. Because the truth is, we're not alone. Yeah. Because you know who's behind me. Now this was a perfect world. <laughs> oh, I'm so nervous now. Because we didn't practice this. And if she goes down, I'm going down too. And there's tacks on here. You see those tacks? And nails and, and razors. Okay. She's, I, I, I'm, I'm stronger now. And then you have the Holy Spirit who comes along. And Holy Spirit, can, can you? One Holy Spirit? <laughs> and will help us, not just me, Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, yeah, the, so, so you see, we're, we're not alone. Now, all the while, when trials and challenges come, when God's saying keep moving forward, we realize that the more we stay faithful, the stronger we get. 
And the stronger we get, the more we know we look like who? Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> so. <laughs> you don't even want me to respond to that. So the point I'm making is what? You got to figure out what the plan is for your life. You have to ask yourself, is the plan to become like Jesus? Because becoming like Jesus doesn't mean you can only work at one particular job. Because you become like Jesus look different than me. You, you were a wrestler, right, for the University of Minnesota, right? So you were a wrestler. I couldn't be a wrestler. They would break me in half, right? At this point in my life, they break me in fourth, right? <laughs> it wouldn't even be half. I couldn't do that. We have people who worked in corporation, corporate office. Some people work in, uh, I'll call it drug rehabilitation centers. We have people who are coaches. Some people who are not. I mean, we have a variety of people who the Holy Spirit is presently living inside of. And the Holy Spirit is trying to get your will to stay on God's path. We say worship here is bowing your will to the will of God. That's worship. We come and sing songs, but we're really, we're massaging our heart so that it's prepared that when God speaks, we obey. That's worship. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. When we love God, we obey him. And the truth be told, we don't even know God until we obey him. That's how you understand who he is. Because now I have this experience which I didn't have before. And now I know how Jesus felt in his experience, his life experience. They become mine. And the more faithful I am, the more I look like him. That's the goal. You may be the president of a company, of a bank, maybe the president of a company, of the country, maybe a president of a glee club. I don't know what you'll be the president of, but nevertheless, God is being formed in you regardless of what you do. And that same thing takes place when you get jobs, when you get married, when you go to school. Jesus Christ is being formed in you. The will of God is for you to be faithful to God despite what trials, tribulations you face. We have a couple of scriptures we're going to run through really quickly. We're going to be done for the day. We're coming out of the book of 1 Thessalonians. We know, can you put up the map is, oh, is he still here? He's not here. Can someone get Nate on the slide like I never said it out loud? If you can find Nate, then tell him, ask him to put up the map. This is us. There you go. Good job, Kathy. So this is Paul's second missionary journey. And on Paul's second missionary journey, he got discouraged. Now, the Holy Spirit was leading Paul all the way up Syria and here over eventually heading toward uh, the Europe area. He got to here and he was like, man, there's nowhere else to go. But the Holy Spirit led him on to Macedonia. Now, what was interesting, every time Paul stopped somewhere, he tried to start a church. He had a methodology. He would go to the synagogues first. But every time he went out, the Judaizers were following him, and they were disrupting every single thing he did. They were trying to say, the Judaizers were trying to say, in order to be saved, you have to be circumcised. There's no way else of you being saved. So they were messing up in Paul's mind everything he did. He said, I'm not being effective. I'm discouraged. How do we know that? Because of 1 Corinthians, he wrote to them. He said, when I first came to you, I was weak. I was sad. 
Now, sequentially, he's, he's at Corinth writing back to Thessalonica. That's Thessalonica, the book of Thessalonians, is the first book we have written down. So we think this is the earliest book we have written of Paul. And this book is an amazing book if you understand the context. Most scholars believe there were three letters written. We have two of them. We also think there was a false letter going around. That's, that was the reason why, the, the, in a sense, Second Thessalonians was written. But nevertheless, Paul goes from city to city trying to plant a church until he comes to Corinth. And now he's here and he's disappointed because he went up here to Thessalonica. And now he's down here and he's like, man, I'm so discouraged. And then Timothy and Silas come and say, good news. These churches are blossoming. They're growing. And now Paul's encouraged. So he writes back to this church, this letter of exhortation. Now, Thessalonica basically means victory of Thessaly. Now, we know Nike is victory. But the, the point is, this is a place where victory takes place. It's Paul's first, in his mind, recorded victory. And here, he's writing to the church because they're having some minor problems. Some of the problems include how they view leadership. So Paul was a guy who was being basically abused. He was getting beat up. He didn't look successful. So nevertheless, the people were kind of coming around Paul, whether they were people who were Greek background or even Roman background or Jewish background, saying, you're, you're following this guy? Like, he's not even effective. Look at what he's done. His ministries aren't growing. They're small. Look at his life. He's not a great communicator. Like, why are you following the way he's talking about God? There has to be another way. Because the thought was, during that day and time, if you're obedient to God, then everything should go well. Jesus had to wrestle with the, his own disciples about that concept because they thought, hey, the Messiah is here, so the Jewish nation will rule the world. Jesus began to preach about the cross of Jesus Christ. They're like, no way, that can't be God. They rebuked Jesus, right? Peter did, and he got rebuked back. So understand, there was this process that had to take place first. Paul was carrying the flag that we are at war. And because we're at war, hold on, be faithful. Because there is a reward through your faithfulness. You can go back to the first slide. So now Paul is basically here in Corinth, and you can go back to the first uh, PowerPoint. Paul is here in uh, Thess the Thessalonica, writing to the uh, Thessalonians. He's in Corinth, I'm sorry, writing to the Thessalonians. He's writing a letter of encouragement, telling them, hey, you know what? It's okay. God ordained me. He anointed me. Look at all these great things that have happened. Hey, you're here. You're now a Christian because of the ministry God has given me. Paul did miracles there. He preached the gospel. Lives were being changed. But the Corinthian, their issue was in Corinth and also Thessalon the Thessalonica, their issue was this, that there were many false gods that were there. So they began to worship other gods, and Paul had to wrestle with them in that concept. Paul also had to wrestle with a democratic government. So Paul is coming with a theocracy. You understand the church is a theocracy, meaning that it is ruled by God's spirit. He's the one who makes all the decisions. But this city was a democracy, one of the first places democracy started. And they wanted to make decisions and vote, have different boards. And Paul was like, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit's running this. We need to yield to the spirit. So Paul goes through all these different theological arguments to make this one point. God is present. 
God is moving through me. God is moving through you. Remain faithful. Persecution eventually came to them. They eventually got, per- this is where the, one of the first places persecution started. Not just by the Jewish people, by Gentiles. And the church is struggling. So even some of the people who were Christians from this city actually died. Now the problem is in the Greek culture during that time, they were nihilistic, meaning they had no concept of life after death. They thought once you were dead, it's over. There's no more getting up. So Paul had to tell them about the soon coming of Jesus Christ, about the hope we all have that when Jesus Christ comes, it's not all over. That once he comes, then our real life starts. Is this your hope today? Let's jump into the scripture. I got a quote. I love this. I heard it in football a long time ago. I'm going to use it today because I thought it was appropriate. It says, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. I used to hear that about football. Why? Because during the football game, you get hit, you get hurt, things will go wrong. And if you start complaining, fussing, getting frustrated, and you don't focus, then the snowball effect will come. Score will eventually be 62 to nothing. Or we got to be 77 to 7 one time. That's kind of how it is in our Christian life. When things go wrong, we begin to complain, we begin to fuss. What happens is we get off track. We don't respond well because it's in our response that people see God through us. That's why Jesus has turned the other cheek. Why? Because everybody fights back when you're hit. That's the natural response. But when you turn the other cheek, what happens is people observe that you're different. Something is different about you. So don't worry necessarily why things are going the way they are. You have to focus on how you respond to the challenges of life. God's will remembers to make you look like Jesus Christ. And if you make the goal of your life anything else than that, you'll be taken off the path. Verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 reads like this. It says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Why is this important? We talked about this earlier because they're thinking this is a democratic, democratic city. This is democratic people. We are here at this church in Thessaloniki also should be democratic. So, hey, we don't necessarily have to listen to what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, hold these people who are your leaders in the highest regard, in love because of their work. He's saying respect your leaders. This is a foreign thought to them. This is alien to them. He goes on to say, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everything. Now, now he's not telling them just to do works in order to assist to be right. Because we are Christians, we do works, good works, because we are right. There's this thing many people have that in order to be right with God, you do good things. That's not how this works. We are right with God because we trust the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, good works come. So he's here saying something very simple. Be a Christian. Respond appropriately to life. If people are hurting, you help them. If people are discouraged, you encourage them. That's how you respond to life as a Christian. 15 says, 
Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. This is something I should have had when I was a little boy living at home with my sister. Because every time she did me wrong, I would retaliate. I would wait till my mom was not around and I would make sure I won. Oh, you're laughing because what? You understand, right? <laughs> right? But that's not how we respond to life in Christ. It's hard if you're on your job, you get fussed at, and you don't think you deserved it. No one's going to fuss at me that way. Who do they think they are? I'm going to show them. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. That doesn't further God's agenda. That doesn't make you look like Jesus. See, that moment when you make that decision, I'm not going to retaliate, something happens inside of your heart. It begins to change. It's kind of like my granddad, he had a, had a garden in West Virginia. Normally, this is my country accent. That's how I normally talk, but I don't talk like that because I work really hard at it. So I don't talk like that, but that's it, man. It's like, I, I can talk like this all the time. You'll be like, man, that boy's so country. I'm like, yes, I'm country. But I try to stop talking country. Because then people get turned off by the country swaying. So, so we have to understand that for us, our response is essential. Whenever bad things happen to us, and we feel that tense, that frustration, that emotion in that moment, if we have the wherewithal to pause and listen for God, he'll tell us how to respond. Because you know when you respond out of anger, nine times out of ten, that's not how you should have responded. When you try to win, you know, because to be honest, that's what we're, we're trying to win. We want to look good in every conversation. We always want to finish the last sentence of every conversation. We want to win, right? Somebody made me look bad for a second. I'm going to win. I'm going to make sure I'm respected. Regardless of what happens, you're going to respect me out of the end of the scenario. We're winning. But what happens if we're willing to lose for Christ? That's attack. And when you step on that attack, yeah, something happens on the inside. And what's happening is you are changing. It's no longer your will, but his will. This is the part of the sermon we're going to focus on today. He goes on to say, rejoice always. Now, right now, the readers are probably frustrated because he said, don't pay back wrong for wrong? You're telling me I'm going to be a doormat? I'm not going to be a doormat. My mama didn't raise me that way. You don't know who I am. I was going to sing a Beyonce song, but I'm not going to do that. It goes on to say, rejoice always, even when you're stepping on tax. Rejoice always, even when things aren't going your way. Rejoice always. It doesn't say rejoice just sometimes. Man, it says rejoice always. It's a universal. Rejoice always, regardless of what's going on. Rejoice. Pray continually. This is hard. You're like, pastor, that may not seem like a win to me. I'm not going to shout because I hear that message. I want to know that things are going to be all right. They're going to be all right. When I used to work out, what happened was I'd, I'd, I'd push my body past the point 
it was before. And I knew I was making advances. I'd make gains, as they say, when you work out. Like some people, they, they, they bench press 30, 135. That's where you start. That's when you realize you're in high school. Oh, I can bench press two plates. I'm strong. You had a little bit more on that. You realize I'm getting stronger. You have to understand the more you can stay faithful to God through those difficult times, that's like you adding weight on your bench press set to your squats, on your curls. It's like you advancing from cow, pre-calculus to trick. Oh, I know some of y'all are like, don't say that. It's like you advancing from English to advanced English. Like you're going from history one to history two. You're, you're making gains. This is not a stagnant faith. If you can't handle your response when people don't respect you now, and a year from now you're still having the same struggles, you have not made gains. How do you make gains? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. You're like, that is crazy. I know. But you have to understand what's happening. I'm stepping on this. Oh, thank you, God. I know we have somebody here at this church that does it all the time. Trisha. Don't you know she always does that? Trisha had a kitty stone. And she was speaking in tongues and praising God. And they're like, what on earth is wrong with you? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Everything give thanks. Now, I'm not saying she's going to respond the same way she gets a kitty stone again. But what I'm just trying to say is she grew. Instead of just turning to morphine, she turned to the king. And that's what you're being asked to do. God has devised this system that changes our hearts to yield to his And when we yield to him through the storm, we trust him more. And when we trust him more, we have more confidence to obey him more. And we realize, man, I've come a long way. Now, I may not be like Jesus yet, but I'm taking it one step at a time. How do we do this? How do we keep balance? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. I didn't write this because I wouldn't say this. Would you? Who would say this? I would never. This this is what makes the Bible so real. Because you're reading what it says and nobody likes that. I don't like that. Who? Come on, be honest. Somebody raise your hand up in here who says, I love that pastor. But the Bible ain't scared of you. It's trying to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell. I'm just... You may want to cut this part out. So I was playing for the Vikings, and I had a hard time with one of the players. The player was a big guy. He had a motor. You can think through that one. And this guy just gave me a hard time because I was like a, he called me a pretty boy. You can see a lot of stuff in there, right? You, you, can, you can put together a lot of pieces there. But regardless of what I did, it, like, this guy would not leave me alone. So I said, okay. I was young and strong. I like, I got to take him out. So one time the guy came up and grabbed me. I said, oh, I have something for you. So I began to scoop him up. And then the whole, his whole, all his friends came and supported him. 
I was like, man. Now, now he never grabbed me again, but somebody came up to me and said, listen, somebody else tried to defend themselves against this person, and they got cut the next week. I'm like, what? How do I win? You win by just being patient. This person will eventually leave you alone. I was at a tight spot. I didn't have a win in my mind. I didn't think there was a win there. But eventually, I, I gained this guy's respect. Not because I stood up for myself, because I listened to the advice of the people of the team. See, sometimes we're looking for the win. And we think the win is, hey, standing up and doing it our way. Getting off God's path. Sometimes the wind's hanging, hanging in there. Listen to advice. Putting your head down. Keep moving forward. Why? This is a literary connective. This is an explanation indicated by the term for. Why do we do this? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that's the stuff that blows our brains. We're seeing all this hurt, all these challenges. That's God's will? Yes, because God's trying to make us look like Jesus. God knows what Sean Siri needs to look like Jesus. He knows what Greg needs. Don, Doniqua, Anthony. I can, I'm not going to call you out, Dwayne. <laughs> he knows what you all need to look like Jesus. Now, this is the truth. It is so crucial. He picks exactly the one thing he allows to happen. Sometimes it seems like that's the thing that could destroy you. Satan comes in with his biggest shot. I remember me, I'm like, God, you can do anything but this one thing. Don't let that one, who, don't let that one thing happen. I could, do, I could do all things except for go through that one storm, right? <laughs> And then you go through that storm, and you begin to question God, why? I don't understand this, God. This can't be you. This can't be right. But what happens is, if you stay on the balance beam and make it to the other side, you realize something miraculous happened. You trusted him. You made it through. And now you're not the same person you were before the storm started. You don't look like you. You look more like Jesus. Got a couple points and we're done for the day. If we're saved and live in obedience to his will, all that we experience in this life is God's heart or will for our lives. God's heart and will are synonymous. When I say worship is bowing your will to the will of the Father, I'm also saying bowing your heart to the heart of the Father or bowing your desires to the desires of the Father. I often say here during this sermon series, David was a man after God's own heart. Many people misinterpret that scripture because the point is David was a man who sought after God's will. If you go back and read the story of David, he just sought, he sought God's direction all the time. You're like, but, but he messed up. Yeah, he messed up big time. But nine times out of ten, David prayed first. You see him. Should I kill Saul? Should I go back and get the people? He was always seeking God's heart first before he responded. When's the last time you sought God before you made a decision? A response to God's will for our lives regardless of the obstacles we face. God's not surprised. He's not surprised by life. 
God is in eternity. Our brains can't fathom that. I often say here, God is at the beginning of your life, right now at this second. He's there the day you're being born, the day you're coming out of the womb. And he's also at this very moment, at the very, very spot when you pass away. He's there. He's not in it in time. Time is a created construct that one day will pass away. We, uh, we know that because Einstein's theory of relativity. Or maybe you saw the movie Interstellar. Whichever one it is, you know time is not a constant. One day it will pass away, meaning God is not surprised. So trust him. Respond his way, not the way you think is best. What do we should do? We should rejoice, pray, and give thanks to God for the Father's heart for our lives. I've been through a lot of pain in my past. I can, my family's here. They were with me through a lot of the pain. I did, I did that. I, the Facebook prayer was there. I saw it. That, it was like one of the best prayers I've ever seen. It said, dear God, and there was tears on the paper, right? Just like, that's been my prayer a lot of times. Just crying, God. <laughs> And then, oh, you know, I've, I've been there. I ain't got nothing to say, God. Just, and he interprets all that. But understand, his goal isn't just to make you feel good for the moment. He wants you to look like Jesus. I know, that was a big, deep breath right there. <laughs> Next slide. Your life experiences after you surrender your heart to his represent God's will for your life. But your response to life situation reveals your trust in his heart. I get frustrated a lot, and I realize at the moment of frustration, I ain't right. I need to do some work. That's why at the church we tell you to, to do your disciplines, to open your Bible, to read, to, to spend time with God. Because the more you're with him, the more you'll look like him, the more you'll know his heart. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayer audibly. Sometimes we have to know how God will respond to the situation. And we don't only know how God responds to the situation. We take time being with God. But if you're not reading the Bible, you would not know how God responds. Spend time with God. Learn his ways. Understand wisdom. God is in control. Trust him. Give thanks and rejoice. And that's one of the things a lot of people have a hard time with. How can you say God's in control with all this pain in life? Because God, in his infinite wisdom, can use your pain and give you purpose. Just because you go through pain, it doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean he don't love you. Just so you know, I prepared these sermons two and a half years ago. So I'm talking about you directly. If you're being talked to, it's the Holy Spirit. That's how we work here at this church. This sermon is prepared two and a half years ago. Currently, I want service series for... Um, August of 2021, so I'm around there. I could, my math could be off. Trust, I was not a mathematician, so. But nevertheless, if you hear God today, it's not because I said, oh, you're going to be at church, so I'm going to write about you. It's not. It's that God has a plan for your life. And remember, I foreshadowed this moment at the beginning of service that sometimes you have to realize that God speaks through other people. And if you look hard enough, You'll see God speaking to you right now. He's trying to whisper something to you. It could be something simple like, don't you give up. Don't give in. Hold on. I don't know how God speaks to you. 
I just know he loves you. He has a plan for your life. Life is hard for us all, but you're not alone. You're not. There are people with you on the journey, people behind you and in front of you. And we're watching your life, all of us. Whether it's the last time you ever come to this church or this is the first time you've come and you'll come from now on, we're watching you and we're cheering you on. We want you to live well, finish strong. Remember, if you don't feel like rejoicing, if you don't have any turkey for Thanksgiving, if you don't have any ham with a bone in it, if you're allergic to cranberry sauce, <laughs> maybe you want some chitlins. I don't know. I don't know what part of the country you're from. Maybe you like pumpkin pie. Maybe you like sweet potato pie. Remember, go deep. Some of you vote for Obama. Some of you vote for Trump. I don't care. Understand. You have a responsibility to respond like Jesus. The world needs us more than ever before. People are lost and confused and disoriented. We need people to stand up and be like the Lord. The strongest of us all was Jesus. In his strength, he yielded his immense power to go to the cross, to suffer the death of a criminal to be humiliated and forsaken so that you can have an opportunity to live forever. This is not games. This is reality. God loves you. Your heart may be, may be hurting. You may be bitter. You may be disappointed. You may not trust God. You may not trust people. If that's you today, God's trying to say, give me another chance. Give him another chance. Remember, God's not the one hurting you. We have an enemy. God is good. A couple questions. I'll wrap it up. So what? What'd you learn today? Is there anything you could take away from today's message? If it is, just think about it right now. What can you take away? What'd you learn? So what? What difference does it make for your life? If you learn something, and, and can what you learn actually do something different for you going forward? Lastly, now what? What can you do with it? If God has communicated through me to you, maybe through worship, maybe through the person that gave you a hug, Eternity is a long time. You can do it. God's working. Trust. Can I pray for you? You bow our heads. Father God, thank you for these people who love you, who brave the cold, who brave the Minnesota Viking favorable church to come out this morning. We love you. We want to love you more. We trust you. We want to trust you more. We need you. We know we need you more. In Jesus' name we pray. 
If there's anyone here today you have not given your heart to Jesus Christ, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we'd like you to raise your hand and put it down and we'll pray for you really quickly. If there's someone here today you want to get right with Jesus, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just put it up and put it down. I see your hand. If there's someone today that you've you drifted from the Lord, you want to get back right with them. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up and put it down. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to pray. Father God, you know the ones who raised their hand, Lord God, minister to their hearts. They need you. I ask you, Father God, to help them get back on track, to turn back to you, to trust you. Where there's doubt or bitterness in their heart, Father God, I pray, Father God, you, you soften their heart. And I pray, Father God, whatever inadequacy I had today as a speaker, Father God, you fixed that, Father God, and I pray they heard you and not me. I pray, Father God, for these people you love, those you've died for, those who have so many questions about life or why things happen the way they did. Father God, I pray right now, Lord God, you give them strength just to trust you until the end. I pray, Lord God, they don't miss out on eternity, Father God, just because they don't have the answer. I pray, Father God, they don't miss out on this glorious future, Father God, just because they don't have everything right in front of them, Lord God, just because they don't have control of their lives, Father God, I pray, Lord God, they'll trust you pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart. on my head I don't have